0: I'm gonna take only about twenty minutes. Times two. Times that by two again, by the power of four. <laughs> it, it, and and we want to go. We want to go into the book of Luke 17. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your faithfulness. Those watching online, we thank God for you. We thank you for your giving and also worship team. Appreciate you. Uh, this Thursday, this past Thursday. Um, has been a, uh, a very notable day uh, for the US. Uh, many of you may, prob- may probably be familiar, it is known as the day of thanksgiving. And now what has happened and where this all began was years ago in December of 1621, there were the pilgrims that made their way into Massachusetts. Uh, These were the English pilgrims, many of them from the UK, England at that time. They were reeling from the harsh winter, and so many people were dying. So what they did was they began to get on a boat, they got on a ship, they began to sail, uh, made their way to Massachusetts, and many of them, by the time they got there, in the first winter upon arrival... Out of the 102 colonists at that time, 40 of them, 44 of them died due to the winter. And so in view of a good number of them dying because of the harsh winter, there came a time where there was so little food, they were going through a time of famine, and their daily food ration was down to five kernels of corn apiece. But then an unexpected trading vessel, as they were struggling during this period of time, a vessel, a ship came by, and this ship was loaded with food. They began a swap for food with these pilgrims. And the next summer, the crops they had brought hope. They began to see a fruitful year, They were able to experience a season of reaping that year. And so at that point, Governor William Bradford decided that since we were so close to dying, God provided for us. December 13, 1621, they decided to set a day aside for feasting and prayer to show their gratitude. Eventually, when Abraham Lincoln took office, he decided to call the last Thursday of November a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father. And in 1941, Congress ruled that after 1941, the fourth Thursday of November will be observed as Thanksgiving Day. So it's become a huge celebration today in the US. But I want to dovetail on that today and talk to you about the subject of gratitude and being thankful. I want you to look with me. Don't look at me. Look with me at Luke Luke 17. Uh, We are going to go there in the Word of God. I want to make a statement as you're turning there this morning. Salvation in and of itself should produce gratitude in our hearts. Oftentimes we take salvation for granted because it comes so easily. You talk to the pilgrims If you had a chance to converse With the people that had to face The food shortage at that point of time It's different from us hearing it Several hundred years later If you spoke to them You would probably listen And hear more details coming from them Yeah, my son was at the verge of dying But this vessel turned up Or maybe you might hear the story That somehow how my family was going to just quit and say you know what there's no food you know what we're just going to end it all and move on forward and we don't know those details beloved we don't know those little details that would have happened on that day when the food vessel arrived on Massachusetts the same truth no one can appreciate salvation Your own salvation, other than yourself. It's a personal thing. When I gave my life to Christ, when I got saved, when my life changed when I felt a restore, a restored hope, when I felt that there was a future and something that God had in store for me, for some of us, maybe we, we somehow got it so easily that we failed to value what God has done for us. This is the danger with young people, the children today. That's why you hear people like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, who are so incredibly wealthy, who would make the statement that they will only give a certain portion of their wealth to their family or to their children to a certain degree just to make their life a little bit livable but not to make it too comfortable. Because easy come, easy go. You don't build character when people don't appreciate the value of something. And I want to talk to you about gratitude, attitude this morning. Not going to take too much of your time. Luke 17 verses 11 through 19. I want you to think with me about this passage. Now it happened, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village... There met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. You know, a few months ago, uh, I took my car to an accessory shop, and uh, we wanted to do some work on it. And so, what had happened was, uh, the guy had pulled out the casing that where the the radio panel had been installed. He had taken out the casing from it, and as he was taking it out, I was just standing there. He just kind of pulled it out and just threw it on the dashboard, you know. And at that point of time, my heart you know how much I paid for this car? (laughs) It it began to really make me so uh, um, um, upset, but I realized that sometimes people don't value what you value. They don't take care of what's valuable to you. So we make the decision, we make the choice of who we trust with what's valuable with us. Some people value our children. Some people value uh, uh, the church. Some people value the ministry. Some people value it, but some do not. We know the story of Joseph, who was a steward. And we know the Bible says that he looked after his master's possession. We know that it's such a rare thing today, where we are dealing with a culture. When they get something, they do not value it because it comes so easily or they've not had to pay for it. And considering that, we are looking at 10 lepers in this passage who came seeking healing. And for many of them, easy come. It seemed like it happened without the concern of having to do much. The the healing came so freely. Now let's talk about what leprosy is because leprosy was a form of condition, a deadly disease. It, brought, it was brought upon the individual and on the outward appearance, it shunned people away. The whiteness of the skin pushed people away from them. When you saw a leper, it was expected that a leper would to raise his hands and scream, unclean, unclean, unclean. So in other words, it was self-inflicting, self-condemning. That if you walked on the street and you came to a public area, you were to shout and scream, unclean, unclean unclean in Leviticus 13 45 through 46. Now the leper on whom 45 uh, Isaac Leviticus 13 45. Yes. Okay. Now the leper on whom the saw is his clothes shall be his clothes shall be torn and his head bare. He shall cover his mustache and cry unclean unclean. He shall be unclean. All the days he has the saw, he shall be unclean. He is unclean and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So you think about the very value of a leper and to be touched by Jesus, to be completely healed by Jesus. Jesus. And here we know that as we understand the state of leprosy, it is the cutting away from relationships. It is the virtue and the, and the understanding of being isolated from people. No one wants anything to do with you. No one wants to be close to you because you are diseased. And to be healed from that. You see, as believers... Don't make light of this, but we were all healed of spiritual leprosy. And the type of spiritual leprosy was a leprosy that took us away from the relationship with the most important being in our life, the God of all heaven and earth. That we were separated completely. We were in no way in relationship with God. We were severed. Our relationship with God was severed because of the three-letter word, sin. The very fact that our relationship with God was restored, that today we can have conversations with God, that today we don't have to be isolated from God, that no, you may say, you know, my life hasn't changed that much I know, we are living in a culture today Where not only drug addicts get safe, Not only someone who's addicted to something gets saved Not only, you know, someone who is hooked on a certain type of thing There are many people, good people, who are not even truth tellers They are people who are not even forming any form of condition And they're getting saved But you know what you cannot deny? That spiritual leprosy isn't just the external But it's a restoration of relationship And that is what salvation really is, isn't it? It is that God has restored unto us What has gone lost in the Garden of Eden And this, my friend Should birth gratitude in our hearts This and this alone Should make us say thank you Jesus And as I said it may not be radical for some But you know what remains true for all of us? Sin no longer reigns in us We have dominion over the power of sin Salvation isn't only the work on the outside It is also the work in the unseen We may not be a leper on the outside, but the greatest work of salvation is a relationship with God restored. Pastor Allen, as many of you know, he was indeed a reasonably good religious man. He went to church two times a day. (laughs) More than many of us. (laughs) Two times, in the morning and in the evening. Extremely, extremely tried to stay pure, Try to stay holy. But you know what was, what was missing? He was not an unrighteous man. He was not an unholy person. By the outward virtue of life, but what he needed was a restored relationship with Jesus. And that, my friend, is salvation. That is what, You and I must be grateful for So let's then talk secondly about the absence of gratitude Because we're speaking this morning About the absence We're talking about gratitude But the absence of gratitude Shows the lack of appreciation You know when we reflect back in 2020 It is undeniable that no doubt we have so much that has happened We know that this has been an unprecedented time We know that in all measure of life This has been for most people One of the toughest years to be living in But the truth be told, beloved You know what birth's gratitude? is choosing to see God's hand In those moments of dryness is seeing that, you know what, things could be far worse than it actually is. It is identifying that every day God has allowed me to wake up and still enjoy another day. That every day God has given me the breath to breathe and the eyes to see and the mouth to speak and the hands to labour with. And I don't make light of that, but beloved, the truth we must all come to is God's faithfulness is unfailing. Yes, it's been a tough year Yes, it's been a hard time Yes, it has been an unprecedented year for many people But gratitude is being able to appreciate God In the hardest of times Pessimistic Cynical thinking So often dominates the mind Human nature always seem to have the tendency to emphasize the one thing that God hasn't done. You realize? Let me bring this down to where the rubber meets the road. Adam and Eve had that one tree. That one tree. God said all that you can have in the garden, but that one tree, you do not eat off. Right? Paul, in the book of Corinthians, the Bible says, He had the thorn in his flesh And what did Paul do? He went to God And three times he appealed And he begged God Take this thorn away Take this thorn away Take this thorn away God And God said My grace is sufficient for you God never took the thorn away And I begin to ask myself I have that one thing I was talking to my wife last night I said you know what By far We've got everything in life pretty much in order. Many, most of the things that we look at, most of it God has blessed us. But the one thing I've been crying out to God for, God has never given me. I've been praying for disciples. I've been praying for church growth. I've been begging God. But that one thing, and I ask God, I said, why? Every area, you blessed us here. You've been good to us here. You've done this for us. You've done that for us. You've done all of this. But why this one thing? And then I reflected on different people in this church. And I began to realize from the stories you shared with me, many people have reasonably good jobs. Life is going pretty well. But that one thing, that one thing, you, you know what that one thing is Maybe it could be the salvation of your family It could be your son or your daughter do- That one thing We all have that one thing And I ask God Why you don't answer that one thing? Why? Why God? Why everything else you do in our life Why that one thing you don't do? Have you, have you thought about that? That one thing And I realize that one thing could be anything you've been praying for, that one thing could be anything you've been striving for, but never seems to ever happen. But I believe just like these lepers, nine of them never returned to thank him. Maybe they went straight to their families, friends, With excitement, they were excited. Can you imagine? They were isolated for so long. No one wanted to be near them. Now they're healed. The first thing they want to do is go and hug their wife, their children, kiss them and say, you know what, how badly I miss you. Can you imagine? This was the one thing they needed. This was the one thing in life they just wanted God to do. And the moment God did it, it birthed in gratitude. I wonder if sometimes the only reason God leaves that one thing For us to be desperate about Is because He knows if I give that to you I lose you I lose you If I give you that one thing you're asking for You will stop depending on me Because that's exactly what the lepers begin Does God answer prayer? Yes Does God bless us? Yes. Does God reward? Yes. But all of us here have that one thing we wish God would do. And I think it keeps us depending on God. The human heart turns away when they have everything they want in life. Everything. If you you had everything you ever wanted, you don't need God. And they don't need to turn. And that's why I believe God sometimes just allows that one thing because He loves us so much He doesn't want to lose us. Just like that leper. He gave them what they wanted. And guess what? Nine of them turned away from God. Now I want to look with you. Second Corinthians chapter 12. This was Paul's cry here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 to 9, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul understood that, you know what? In my weakness, God is strong In my weakness, God is present Tim Keller reflecting on the passage Do not be anxious But make requests to God with thanksgiving He writes We would expect Paul to say first You make your request to God And then you thank Him for the answer But that's not what Paul said he begins to say, Don't be anxious for anything, but be make your request with thanksgiving. And I he said, he began to share a story. I prayed for an entire year about a girl I was dating, wanted to marry, but she wanted out of the relationship. All year I prayed, Lord, don't let her break up with me. Of course, in hindsight, it was the wrong girl. I actually did what I could help to help God with the prayer. Because one summer, near the end of the relationship, I got in a location that made it easier for me to see her. I was saying, Lord, I am making this as easy as possible for you. I've asked you for this. And I've even taken the geographical distance away. But as I look back today, God was simply saying, Son, when a child of mine makes a request, I always give that person what he or she would have asked for if they knew everything I know. You know that God knows more than us. And sometimes God doesn't give us what we are asking. That one thing, because He knows, He'll take you away from me. But God, don't you understand? This is holding me back depend on me but god don't you understand my situation is critical i've been laboring i've been laboring i've been laboring, i've been doing the right thing god over and over and over but god don't you understand it will stop you from relying on me let it be there let the thorn be there because you then will depend on me This is is so important that we remember. I know God answers every prayer. God wants to answer every prayer. but Sometimes God leaves certain things out. He may answer one and then leave another one unanswered. Why? Because it makes us go back to Him. And I think that's vital that we grasp as Christians. Paul, as we read that passage, beloved, I'm going to bring this down in about two hours. He experienced God in miraculous ways. Think about it. He experienced God in miraculous ways You're talking about the man Who saw God move In supernatural ways Miracles upon miracles You're talking about the healed, the blind being healed You're talking about the deaf being restored You're talking about a man Who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament You're talking about the man Who experienced God in prison Who experienced God unchaining him Giving him deliverance, power, breakthrough You're talking about the man Who saw God more personal Than many of us will ever see God But the one thing A person who can be grateful to God Listen to my statement here A person who can stay grateful to God Conveys his dependence on God I believe that when we can have gratitude Even with all God has done God can trust us with more. God, thank you for 2020. It's not been the best year, God, but thank you for keeping my family safe. Thank you for not allowing me to fight diseases and sicknesses. Thank you for not letting me lay on a hospital bed. Lord, thank you, God, for giving me breakthrough in areas. You see, when that becomes our spirit, beloved, we begin to thank God with gratitude. The enemy, beloved, intends to blind us from all God is doing and all that God has done. How many times our prayers are filled with requests? How many times our prayers are filled with asking, knocking and seeking instead of thanking and appreciating Him? I was speaking to a couple a few days ago. And in that conversation, I began to share with them. I told them they've seen God move very powerfully this year. In the many years that they've lived for God, they've not seen breakthrough for some time. But all of a sudden, this year, in a year of famine, God gave them financial breakthrough. In a year of famine, there has to be a God. And I was sharing, I was telling them, you know, there's so much for you to be grateful for. In all those years of barrenness In all those years of dryness In all those years You could have gotten a breakthrough last year You could have gotten things working out for you in the past But why did God wait till 2020 when COVID-19 was present? Because He wants to show you When the economy of the world is falling down I will lift you up See, we can murmur We can complain But our God is greater than the economy, church. Our God is a blesser. Our God is a rewarder. And please don't take this to the wrong extent where, oh, pastor, you don't know what you're doing. I'm a business freak. I love economy. And from what I'm telling you, beloved, I can tell you, there must be a God in heaven that's keeping this church alive. That, that must be the reason we must be grateful. God, that one thing. You see, when gratitude is absent, entitlement escalates. Right? When we don't thank God anymore, as entitlement begins to escalate, these lepers received healing. And could it be that as they walked away from Jesus... Think with me for a few moments here as we bring this down. Could it be as they got healed by God at this point in their time, they walked away and said, it's about time He touched me. It's about time He healed me. I deserved it. You know how long I've been a good person? You know how much I've done? Do you not realise that, you know, I've been going to him for so many times and you know what, now he touches me, I deserve it. And they could have lost the sense of appreciation because entitlement is birthed when gratitude is absent. People who feel they are entitled, people who feel they deserve it, has lost the sense of gratitude. The absence of humility that produces appreciation, that if you and I were to take an honest assessment, we can only come to one thing in conclusion. Jesus deserves to be thanked, not blamed. He deserves to be thanked this year. He deserves to be appreciated this year. Yes, we may wish for things to have been different, but look at us, church. God has been good. God has been faithful. Even if there was things that were not going the way we wanted to go, beloved, this is a generation that finds it so hard to say thank you. It's so hard so hard when you do something for them it's so hard to get a thank you from someone today because they somehow feel i deserve it what you did was your chore was your responsibility you're my mom you're my dad why should i say thank you you're supposed to put food on table one. you did what you need to do one. why should i thank you right and, and that's exactly how this generation has become. Can I urge you? Say thank you. When someone goes the extra, say thank you. When you begin to say thank you, you express appreciation because you have assessed your life and say, you know what? I don't deserve this. I've learned in many of my trips, I can tell you horror stories, beloved. I've slept on hotel beds because they always somehow you know they think oh we're having a revival of pastor so and so and so we we are not leadership pastors you know to a certain extent uh, we don't get the four star five star hotel treatment we get the airbnbs <laughs> we 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 get the uh, you know the cheapest hotel on the block you know like buy one night Free one night, you know, that kind of deal, you know and, and, so, and so, you go to those hotels And again, nothing wrong with Airbnb Don't take it wrongly <laughs> I'm just saying that, that, you know, when they look through the list And that's the hotel with the chicha running The lipas running And then there's blood stains on the bedsheet and, 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 and the point is that in all of that That's why Paul says In my contentment and my discontentment, I've learned to be grateful. And when you learn to say thank you, when you learn to be grateful, even when it's not up to your expectation, it changes the way you see things. I've gone in for revivals, beloved. And there are times I get so upset. Because the, the just the whole thing, you know he's late, he doesn't come to pick you up on time, you're dressed up, you're ready, and you know the the, the pastor or the disciple doesn't even you know I, I remember going on trips he he just wouldn't buy me a meal <laughs> no food. After revival, send me back to the hotel, the hotel is all closed, and I would call yen I'll say no dinner tonight. I think God wants you to fast. She, she's not the nicest person, you know. <laughs> I said, okay lah. So when I came back from the trip, I think I lost three kilos, you know. <laughs> but, but the truth is, beloved, in all of that, I've learned, I said, God, you know what? I'm just going to keep my heart right. I'm just going to keep my heart right. I'm not going to try to grumble. And I can tell you some of those revivals have been the most powerful revivals I've been in. Because it's the spirit that you bring into that place. As believers, do we only come to get something from God? Heal me, I'm a leper. And the moment you get that one thing, you no longer see that. I was talking to a Bible study the other night, and I was telling them, you know how many times we have healing crusades? We've seen some powerful miracles in the past. People get touched, people get healed. But we've got to be real, church. Many of them never come back. They get what they want and they walk away. We've got to learn to be grateful. The Bible says it is the will of God that we become a people of gratitude. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, the last verse of Scripture. Sorry, second last. (laughs) Don't hold me, a brother, to this. Second, last one. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Why? Why? Why is it the will of God? Because He keeps your heart right. When you can just say, thank God. Thank God for what's happened. Thank God. You know, it's not been the greatest year, but God has been good. I'm just grateful to be alive. I'm just grateful for another day when we can assess and understand that it is God who has kept us up to this point, we can then understand that it is what helps us stay right with God. The one man in verse 16 fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. The outcast, the man who no one wanted anything to do with, a Samaritan, was the only one who turned back and say thank you. Do you know that sometimes the only people who are grateful are the people who are actually uh, um, uh, uh, not unfortunate, but needy? The ones that have been casted out, the ones that have, no one wants anything to do. There's a purpose why the Bible says he was a Samaritan, because the rest were Jews. And they all felt they deserve it. But this one man understood the value of what He got. And all of us can come to that place. All of us can come with a grateful heart. All of us can come to a place and we say thank you for all that God has done in our lives. In everything, give thanks. Whether good, whether bad, give thanks. Because that is the will of God. What is the purpose? It helps us stay dependent on God. It tells him that, you know what? Even in the highest of my blessing, there are people God has prospered. There are people God has blessed you. There are people God has shown His kindness on you like never before. But when you keep thanking Him for all He's done, it tells God you still need Him. It conveys to God your need for Him. Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you've been saved through faith, Not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Our appreciation for God's grace births gratitude. When a person can identify with their past and present, it produces gratitude. Let's set some perspective this morning. Your heart beats around 100,000 times a day. Your body holds about 5.6 liters of blood. And this 5.6 liters of blood circulates through the body three times every minute. In one day, the blood travels a total of 12,000 miles. That's four times the distance across the US from coast to coast. When was the last you thank God for one of those heartbeats? Do you realize that every heartbeat is a gift from God? Do you realize that your blood can stop at any time if it's not f- it is God who allows us. I mean, come on, church, we've got the greatest technology on the planet today. And you know what you know what we still keep doing? We keep making it better. Making it but the human body has been perfect from the beginning of creation. That is such that is beyond human intelligence. How can the blood flow? Let's take it a step further. You breathe approximately 23,000 breaths a day. The process of inhaling oxygen and exhaling carbon dioxide is a complicated respiratory task that requires physiological precision. We tend, to, we tend to thank God oftentimes for the things that take our breath away. That's fine. But when was the last we thank God for the breath that He's given us? 23,000 breaths a day. It's a gift from God. How about your kidneys? A bean-shaped organ, each about the size of your fist. They are located near the middle of your back, just below the ribcage. They are sophisticated trash collectors. Every day, your kidney processes about 200 quarts of blood to sift out about two quarts of waste products and extra water. The waste and extra water becomes urine, which flows to your bladder through tubes called ureters. Your bladder stores urine until you go to the bathroom. So the question now, when was the last? You went to the bathroom and you thank God that your plumbing works. You realize, beloved, if it's not for God, there's so much to be grateful. You have nearly, your eyelids blink about 10,000 times each day, assuming you sleep for about eight hours a day. We have to think, or we have to blink to cleanse and moisten the eyes. Each time the eyelids close, salty secretions from the tear glands are swept over the surface of the eye, flushing away small dust particles, lubricating the exposed portion of the eyeballs. Our eyes are always forming tears. The bling wipes them away and protects and cleanses the eye. When was the last time you thanked God for one of those cleanings? You have about 1.6 trillion skin cells. Just bear with me. Another two minutes, I'm done. Human sheds about 600,000 particles of skin every hour. About 1.5 pounds a year. By 70 years of age, an average person will have lost 105 pounds of skin. The wrinkles? (laughs) But it's not the best way to plan on losing weight, though. Okay? I know how we plan retirement fund. This is not weight retirement, you know, by 70 Human sheds and regrow the outer skin cells about 27 days. Almost 1,000 new skins in a lifetime. When was the last time you thanked God for the protection of your skin? I'm just saying, beloved, these are things God has given to us freely. Freely. The average, last one, the average human mouth produces about two liters of spit every day. Our salivary glands are located on the inside of each cheek. At the bottom of the mouth, under the jaw, at the front of the mouth, churn out about two to four pins, one to two liters every day. Saliva contains many important substances including electrolytes, mucus, antibacterial compounds and various enzymes. Saliva keeps your mouth moist, comfortable and helps you chew, taste and swallow. It fights germs in your mouth and prevents bad bread. It also has proteins, minerals that protect tooth animals not animals, uh, animal and prevent tooth decay and gum disease. So the question is, when was the last? We thank God when you smelled or saw something good to eat and your mouth began to water. See, when you think about it, church, we've got a lot to thank God for. You and I can complain, we can murmur, life is not good, but just look at your own life this morning because none of what I just told you will be possible without God. So can I, can I challenge and encourage you this morning? The next time you're tempted to complain, the next time you're tempted to murmur, and I'm not saying we cannot be real about what's happening. We have to be real. We're not hypocrites. When we go through problems, we have to be honest. But I'm teaching you this morning, I'm praying that you and I will gather a spirit of gratitude and thankfulness. Don't be the ten, the nine lepers that walked away without appreciation. Be the one who understands I was an outcast. No one wants anything to do with me. And this is what brings, my, brings me to, to humility every time because I do not, I do not, I do not take credit for anything that I call as a gift in my life, as being present if it is not for God. The only reason we can do what we do is because of God. And for that, I choose to thank Him every day. For that, I choose to be grateful every day. For that, I choose to say, you know what? Yes, life could be worse, but I thank God. And that's why I express my appreciation through my service to God. There's no reason for me to complain. I can do more and more and more for God. Because what is there to complain after all He's done for me? I want you to bow your heads with me. As we close this morning, I want you to take a few moments today as we conclude to express appreciation for all that God has done.